0: Iraq's powerful Shiite leader Muqtada al-Sadr announces he's quitting politics. This triggers violent protests and demands for new elections. But is there another reason for Sadr's announcement? And can anything contain months of political unrest? I'm Nick Clark and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze and help define major global stories. So let's uh, bring in our guests in Baghdad. We have Ahmed Rushdi, a senior foreign policy advisor to the Iraqi parliament and the director of the House of Iraqi Expertise Foundation. In Washington, D.C., Bilal Wahab, a Wagner Fellow at the Washington Institute and a former faculty member at the American University of Iraq, uh, Suleimani. And in Doha, Zaidon Al-Kinani, a non-resident fellow at the Arab Center Washington, D.C. and a Middle East political analyst who we've just heard from in Laura's report. A warm welcome, gentlemen, to you all. Ahmed Rushdie, I'd like to start with you first. So, what do you think has been going on here in the past 24 hours or so? How do you assess the events that we've been seeing unfolding in Baghdad?
1: Well, it's always uh, the same conflict happened after the uh, uh, October elections and the results that have been announced, is that the Sudras took about 73 seats, and uh, their opponents, the coordination frame actually has the man- minority inside the Iraqi parliament, and in no way another a triple alliance happened uh, between uh, the sudrist, uh, the southern movement, and uh, the southern MPs and Taqaddum uh, uh, which is uh, which has then become Siyada, which means means Hamis uh, Khanjar and Al uh, halbusi plus the KDP. Uh, uh, eventually had the majority inside the parliament. So at that time, they had the majority inside the parliament. They have Academy as a prime minister, who's also supportive to them. They have the speaker uh, who's also inside the alliance, uh, Mr. Mohammed hagosi and also his vice, uh, Hakim Zami, who belongs also to the Sadrists. So it's all uh, uh, happened that the real majority, or what they called at that time national majority, uh, control the country and try to manage to have a session to uh, uh, elect a president, and the president should nominate the biggest bloc and uh, order them to nominate a prime minister. Uh, eventually, it didn't happen on that way uh, uh, because the coordination frame actually stopped any action for the parliament, and they at that time asked for. Uh, the dissolution of the parliament, and go for early elections. OK, okay. Now, l- l- happened me, is Let that me just...
0: I just want to move it on, because it, there's, a, there's a lot of background, isn't there, and it's very complex, but we'll try and simplify it if we can. Zaydon, so, so al Sada would have been aware what was likely to happen when he announced his resignation and the violence that would follow, wouldn't he?
2: Well, it depends on the speculation that we're trying to observe here. There are speculations claiming that uh, the, the, the resignation or the public announcement of Sadr to politically resign was as an indirect way or an attempt to escape any accountability from the following actions that would be uh, conducted by the Sadrist movement, and particularly uh, in regards to Saray salam which are the armed wing uh, of the uh, Sajrist movement. However, now after the most recent speech by Sadr, where he denounces any uh, violent actions or any violent involvements by Sayyid Salaam salam and the recent clashes between them and the armed wings of the, the political parties within the coordination framework, that speculation in itself has been countered and contradicted. Um, it's right, very, so, so what it's I'm trying to get at here so
0: what is, what has is he achieved by doing what he's done?
2: Well, so far, uh, he has achieved uh, a rhetoric battle, which is an overarching battle that he has been trying to conduct for many years. And that is the reform revolution sentiment that he's practicing against the political class, despite... Uh, as rightfully mentioned by your guest, despite being a major member of that very same political class through various cabinets and parliaments. However, uh, the the, the thing that might be seen that he has indirectly achieved from uh, withdrawing himself from the clashes that have been taking place recently is that he is seen as the man or the strong man who decided to uh, uh, pause or, or turn off the, 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 the clashes that were taking place for the betterment of the people's safety.
0: Right, OK. So then, Bilal, this is, is it a tactical resignation that he will walk back from, do you think?
3: He already has. Uh, this is not the first time that Soudar threatens with mm-hmm. resignation and uh, definitely not the last time that he, uh, he reneged on that kind of promise. It was only yesterday that he resigned, and today we see him very active, issuing edicts. Um, well, he's still saying why, he's quitting uh, politics, isn't he? The nature of his mercurial nature.
0: He's still saying he's quitting politics, isn't he?
3: Right, but uh, again, uh, he's a master of uh, of he's, he's a wordsmith. Uh, so today, for example, he uh, uh, he edited what he meant, or he interpreted his own statement as his resignation is not a full resignation from from politics. Uh, but but again, this is not the first time that he does it. He has done it in the past. In the past, sometimes he's even disappeared for months. Uh, at one point, he was even uh, living in Iran. But that doesn't mean that Sadr can just uh, pack up and go. He has significant influence and maybe even bigger ambitions.
0: Okay, Ahmed Rushdie. Uh, before we get into what happens next, uh, what the next move is, let's just give ourselves a bit of context. So this whole political system in Iraq was uh, created by the U.S. and its allies after the U.S.-led invasion. And here we are 17 years later in a state of continued political paralysis. Why is it that the political system has not worked?
1: Because it's based on uh, uh, ethnic issues and uh, try to separate the country in a way that you should have the power, the political power, uh, you should put the political power in, in the hands of the majority, and the others should not participate in a way or another. Uh, this is for, Secondly, I think the most important achievements that uh, Said Muqtada uh, has already gained is the postponing of the uh, declaration of the federal court for its uh, resolution about the dissolving of the parliament, and according to my knowledge, uh, it's always like that. Sayyid Muqtada always withdraw after he will gain what he wants. Now what the, now the people saying to me is that some political agreement happened yesterday, or let's say today at the early mornings, headed by the Marjiya in Najaf, the, the Shia authorities in Najaf, in a way or another, to convince Muqtada that he could take something uh, and he can withdraw his forces. So. Eventually, uh, uh, say Bukhada always doing something like that. He knows how to play politics, by the way. Uh, he actually made a peaceful demonstrations and uh, uh, start to surrender the parliament. Then he went to the judiciary system and uh, tried to threaten them. Then he, he actually withdrew, And at the, at the end, he actually put a huge pressure yesterday on the, uh, on the judiciary system and ending with the federal code that would withdraw their uh, uh, their decision, uh, which means that it was negative for uh, state Muqtada. At the same time, it looks like there is a political agreement happened uh, between uh, the Sadrist and uh, their opponents, uh, with, uh, uh, with the uh, which is headed by the Marja'iya and najaf It looks like that. Okay. Uh, but I think at the end of this day, we know exactly what's happened uh, in those uh, 24 hours.
0: All right. So, so Ahmed Rushdie, does that mean that next up, it's more elections?
1: Well, it means that the conflict will stay there. It does not mean it will end. What we saw yesterday, I think it is the beginning of the real military power of everyone.
0: If it's not the end of conflict, where are we heading? Is there a chance for all-out civil war here?
2: Civil war means uh, we are expecting a nationwide conflict, which involves uh, at least most of the country's various communities and political groups. It is very clear that this is a, a political rivalry uh, between very two uh, prominent uh, uh, rivals within the intra-Shi'a political elitist uh, dispute that has been going on for months, as rightfully mentioned by your guests, uh, over the political statement or political deadlock over who will name uh, the prime minister, uh, people and observers have been warning about uh, the, the armed confrontation that could break out out of the political deadlock that has been uh, driven by the Sadrist movement and the coordination framework. But as previously mentioned, with the announcement of Sadr uh, uh, claiming that he does not favor and will not support any violence, particularly violence coming out of his very own movement's side to continue this conflict will not be uh, praised by him or supported by him. That in itself uh, should uh, uh, reflect towards some stability and calmness uh, uh, within the next few hours, if not within the next few days. However, it seems like the political crisis that has been preventing the country from witnessing a governmental formation will continue, if not will worsen.
0: Bilal Wahab, so if it's clear that the, the political system doesn't work, and I don't think we need any more proof that that's the case, the political system has to change, but how hard will it be to move to a different, uh, different type of uh, constitution, different type of political system?
3: I think what you said reflects the public sentiment in Iraq, both at the uh, street level as well as the, uh, the elite level that this post Saddam system of sectarianism has run its course. And uh, I think in part what we see is a basically a Shia effort to consolidate power now that they have uh, cowered and cornered the Sunni and the Kurdish communities uh, into, uh, into the sidelines. Uh, in the past, the sectarian system was for the three communities to come together and uh, somehow balance the power. But... The Sunni areas have, for a while, been under ISIS control, and now they are, the ground at least, is being held by militias. And of course, the Kurdistan region, that uh, is probably the, the, the main Western ally in Iraq, has also been marred by internal division, on one hand, uh, effort by the two main political parties for uh, basically using this rift within the Shia house uh, for domination at home, so the Shia parties basically see a, see an opportunity, maybe for the first time, to dominate all of Iraq, to, uh, to roll back decentralization and federalism. And now it's down to who of the two main Shia camps is going to control uh, power in Iraq. And I think this is also Iraqi agency at display because in past episodes and post-election episodes, the United States and Iran were the two major powers that nudged, Iraq into different directions, but now I think the United States is uh, somehow missing in action despite having helped a very successful election, but they largely disengaged after the election. And Iran also doesn't want to really agitate because I think both Washington and Tehran uh, are eyeing returning to the nuclear deal. And uh, um, I think the result, whether it's Sadr or Maliki, the coordination framework or the uh, or, or, or the Sadrist current, are going to be in power for Iran. Somehow, uh, uh, its bread will will remain buttered. So this is unfortunately Iraqi agency at display, but they are really playing with fire. But I think also uh, this conflict, the reason why we can see these brinkmanship happening, is because, in a way, the international community, uh, two factors, two international factors, are subsidizing uh, this conflict. One is the high oil prices, which in a way is appeasing the society because there is enough of a trickle-down economics that's going down to the public. And I think the other is the anti-ISIS international coalition that's at least getting rid of one problem that allows provides a little bit of a space for the the politicians to do uh, this kind of brinkmanship that got really violent yesterday, and it's possible to uh, escalate further. Or maybe my hope is that we reach the peak, and then from now on, we'll be headed toward more de-escalation, be it. Um, uh, having early elections or maybe even looking at constitutional amendments, uh, which, which is an issue that a lot of people talk about. But I'm not sure that this kind of tense situation is when you want to do a constitutional revisionism.
0: Right. Ahmed Rishti, uh, constitutional amendments, is, is that possible in this current climate?
3: Well, it depends. It
1: depends on the uh, political agreement that it should it should be happened those two days. Uh, and uh, uh, I don't think there will be some sort of amendment, in a way or another, maybe there will be some sort of agreement about uh, the uh, uh, the early election date, the dissolution of the parliament date, and also the most important thing is that the electoral law and the electoral committee, which is the most important thing, I think, for the Saudis uh, to do uh, or to work on. On these, uh, on these issues. Again, I think there uh, some sort of a political agreement, tactical political ad- agreement happened yesterday. All what we saw today from uh, Sayyid Muqtada is uh, already has uh, uh, some sort of a roadmap, uh, uh, escalate, 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 then uh, go to the media and say, okay, guys, it's not my problem now. Uh, we should stop that uh, after making some political uh, uh, interest that it's supposed to be in a way uh, to regain more seats in the early elections. And I think the sub is actually looking for 100 seats in the early elections.
0: All right, but Zaydan, if we are heading for early elections, isn't it just very likely that we're gonna get a, exactly the same results as we had in the past too, which is just division and and no uh, process forward at all. and. and Especially given that in the last election I think it was what forty three percent turnout, it's not likely to be anything more than that next time round, is it? People are just not engaged in the political system in Iraq.
2: Absolutely, and that is at the core of the objectives and the discourse from the protest movement that they were focusing on uh, uh, reviving or re-establishing a new political system, and not uh, producing or presenting uh, new elections that would have the same influences and powers of the same political. Uh, interest groups and political parties that will end up finding their way around to negotiate a government following the elections, which is very similar to what the coordination framework has been trying to do with its allies across the spectrum by creating a consensus government and ignores the electoral performance that took place during the elections. Again, going back to the demands of the ordinary Iraqi citizens since the outbreak, Break of the protests in October 2019. Until now, the focus has been way wider and way more overarching and 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 bigger than just trying to uh, elect a new government the focus has been as you rightfully mentioned on 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 finding new solutions to amend the constitution finding new ways to not allow uh, political parties or individuals that have been evol- involved in the previous uh, corruption allegations that have been exposed in so many different uh, social and online campaigns by various activists and uh, uh, ngos uh, uh, for, for the past uh, few years therefore uh, the, the 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 thing that people are hoping to witness in iraq is 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 a new political change that wouldn't involve the same political parties that have been driving and determining this political system. Even if we were to expect uh, a constitution remaking or rewriting, we might even go back to the same problem or to the same problems and issues we faced during the the, the making or the writing of the current constitution in the early stages of the invasion. You still have many of the prominent political figures and parties and interest groups that were involved or at least present or were uh, indirectly uh, playing a vital role in uh, writing some of the problematic articles and clauses in that constitution, most notably uh, the clauses or the articles that were in one way or another paving the way for the ethnic sectarian quota, for the ethnic sectarian quota distribution, which prevented technocratic and independent and qualified uh, lawmakers or politicians to gain the positions based on uh, a roadmap or a programme that benefits the country in the long term and not to benefit the interest or the sectarian discourse that is utilised and exploited by the political parties.
0: Yeah, you make a very interesting point about, you mentioned the ordinary Iraqi citizen. Uh, Bilal, in this political vacuum that the country's experiencing the economy and people's lives are suffering and, and all the while you have this, this sort of unseemly squabble between what seems to me to be an increasingly unpopular elite. Just tell us a little bit about, briefly if you would, about how it is for the ordinary Iraqi citizen living in Iraq with this political vacuum.
3: We saw the public grievance and utter disappointment in the political leadership uh, in the protest movement of uh, 2019. Uh, which was uh, a truly uh, uh, indigenous and, and, and popular uh, uprising, not targeted at one single group or party or sect, but at the entirety of the system, a system that has failed to translate uh, some $10 billion a month of oil revenues into economic uh, prosperity, actually, even, even uh, uh, to, to eradicate poverty, let alone uh, prosperity. Uh, creating jobs uh, while, you know, that the, the Iraqi political system, because of the competitive nature, uh, every Iraqi citizen through the social media and the, the competitive uh, TV screens know the size and the level and, and the name uh, of, of every corrupt leader and the, the, the millions and billions that get um, uh, siphoned off uh, uh, out of the country. So uh, the, the public grievance, I think, was, was at display, and of course, we also saw the, the viciousness of the system, of the militias, uh, of those in power. They killed 800 protesters in 2019 and, and wounded you know, some 20, 25,000 of them just to cling to power. And again, what we see today is oh, on the one hand, Sadr, who wants to dominate the political scene, the ever larger cake thanks to high oil prices and of course the coordination framework that's starting to uh, to hang on one is using populism one is using the the deep state and of course the one factor that's absent is the public and again i I think these the current political elite is really playing with fire by ignoring uh, uh, the public because in 2019 they were uh, they were peaceful protests and again, the uh, you know the, the the ire of civil war that keeps you know coming up is always about this militia against that militia. But I think uh, the uh, every Iraqi household has at least one or two guns. So the main threat, the main worry, is when the public starts to rise up against uh, both Shia houses. You know, in a kind of a Shakespearean way of a curse on both houses. I think that is the serious risk uh, moving forward, given how how aloof. Uh, and, and, and how disregarding the current leadership uh, uh, are of the okay. uh, of the public.
0: Okay, well, we will we'll watch very closely what happens in the coming days, weeks and months, gentlemen. We'll have to leave it there. Thanks very much indeed for joining us. Ahmed Rushdie, uh, Bilal wahab and Zedon Al-Kinnani. That's it for the Inside Story podcast. This episode was produced by Calvin Ung, Fungi Ingwin, Bera Karaman and Paul Taylor. Studio sound was by Deepak Pushkaran and the programme was edited by George Joseph, Lyndon Gwynn, and Joe DeFreyas. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again on Wednesday.